Welcome to the Perspectives Podcast. This is a podcast we do at Orchard Hill that helps us uh, just be able to address a lot of current issues and hopefully bring a perspective from the Bible, from a biblical perspective to the issue. Sometimes there's a different perspective. Sometimes we may share the perspective, but uh, that's why we've used the phrase perspective. So today I'm joined by Kevin Cotter, who is the Director of Finance at Orchard Hill. Has uh, served as our CFO for over a decade, and before that had a long career in the financial world as a controller for different companies. And Joanne Adams, who currently serves as part of our adult ministry team, women's ministry, but before that had a long and successful career in human resources. And so uh, we thought they'd be a great team to just talk through uh, kind of an idol that we often have, which is, uh, and actually an idol that's hard not to have, according to the Bible, which is money and finance. Uh, and the reason I say it's hard not to have, even according to the Bible, is, is it is seen as often one of our rival gods. So, so let me just start with, uh, with a simple question that actually isn't directly tied to this, but is in some ways tied, and that is from a money standpoint, how did you either earlier in life or now keep Christmas from becoming financially stressful where you didn't end up having so much spending around Christmas that it became uh, a challenge since we just kind of came through it and a lot of families I know can feel that tension. Um, so, uh, so Kevin, why don't you just, just tell us how have you uh, financially not allowed Christmas to be too too stressful or maybe it has been stressful? Well, I'll credit my wife for that because uh, early on with our kids, she had a three or four present rule and and she's still doing it to this day. You know, everybody gets a, a reasonable amount of gifts and there's a cap. So if if there's a, if, if you get one pair of shoes, uh, so she gave my son-in-law a pair of Allbirds. That was what he got for Christmas and that was the whole thing. Uh, so there's been just been a limit, and when we hit the limit, we're we're done. So um, that's how we resisted the crazy five thousand dollar Christmas bill at the in January. Okay, so just a simple spending limit. I've always uh, uh, found this kind of funny. My in-laws have done the same thing, and one year they were like, you know, what do you want? And I so I sent them a thing for a pair of shoes, uh, like all birds. They weren't all birds, but this before that, <laughs> and. Um, and my joke has been they bought the left shoe because it was above the budget. So my wife, in order for me to get the shoes, had to supplement the money from my in-laws in order for me to uh, to to get the shoes that I had asked for. Uh, but that's how committed they were to their limit. Um, because sometimes, yeah, especially when you have a bunch of grandkids, kids, kid in-laws, the next thing you know is just it keeps spiraling into a pretty high number. Now my wife has taken that. And I've given her, um, she's done a great job, but I've given her a little bit of a hard time because she'll try to, with our kids, make sure she spends enough on some kids to get it up to the, 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 the max limit uh, and all of that, but just to always try to keep it even. So Joanne, how about you? How have you managed that with, with Christmas? I guess I, I've always told my family, listen, it's too many of you. So <laughs> I make it, I make their birthdays their big deal. And so I never look at Christmas as a time where I'm, um, you know, giving out a lot of um, presents. I give some out, but I just don't make it a big deal. 
Okay. All right. Well, good. So let's, uh, let's talk about money as a rival God or an idol. Um, how have you seen that play out in your own lives and career? Like, how have you personally identified that at times in your life, if you have? And then how have you, how have you addressed it? How have you dealt with that so that it didn't become too big of a deal? So, so let's start with you, Joanne. And when you don't have any money, you always want money. So I think in my career, one of the big things that I did was um, I remember starting out as a um, um, YWC, in the YWCA as a counselor. And when I saw what I was making, I was like, okay, this is not going to be enough money for me to uh, do some of the things that I really want to do. So then I said, hey, I have to, you know, decide on a career where I'm going to be making more money. And um, the more money I made, the more things I wanted and the more stuff I acquired. Um, and, you know, none of, you know, it's always, okay, once I got one thing, it was like, okay, then once I make more money, I could get more, more stuff. And um, so that, that was always, um, in the beginning, that was a big thing for me. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because sometimes we tend to think that you have to have money for money to be an idol. And a lot of times money can be a bigger idol actually when you don't have a lot because you're always thinking about it, strategizing it, letting it drive your life. And sometimes when you get just a little more, it's a little easier to maybe not be as stressed by it. And so it becomes maybe less of an issue. Or although sometimes it goes the other way where the more you get, the more you want and, and you just keep increasing your spending. And so you're always in a position where you're, you're thinking about and being driven by money uh, in terms of what you do. Kevin, how about you? Uh, what, what, how have you navigated that throughout your, your life and career? Well, money's really difficult. Um, I would say the same thing as Joanne, when you grow up and you don't have a lot of money, it seems like you're always striving to get some. It's like you take one step forward and two steps back. I remember early in my life, boy, if I just had $5,000 in the bank, that'd be amazing. Um, and, you know, it's um, so, you know, dealing with money and then money has so many different aspects to it, including status and and how you feel about yourself and all these things. And uh, it's really hard to, to put money aside. And I would say until I became committed to Jesus, it was really, really difficult. And it definitely wasn't idle. It's still a strong pull today. Um, you worry about having what is enough and you know going forward, but uh, things are better than they were uh, as far as my relationship with money. Okay. So, uh, so what are some of the tells maybe that, that money is teetering on or becoming too important? Like how would somebody who's listening right now be able to say, okay, that's probably an indication that I'm making too big of a deal of money and it might be out of proportion. And again, we all acknowledge it's hard not to have it be a big deal because it is a big deal. I mean, how, how much you have and gives you options, status, all the things we just talked about. So what are some of those indications that maybe money is becoming 
a rival God, not just an important part of our lives? Well, I, I think that from my perspective, if we're going to flip back and forth, my perspective is that uh, when, when you're not living within your means, whatever your means are, um, money is a problem. Uh, so if you have a reasonable relationship with money and you're spending what you can, what you're making under what you're making, if you're saving, if you're giving, um, then you have a, a decent relationship. If you don't do that, um, your money's becoming a problem for you because you're either, either spending way more than you're making or you're saving way more than you should because you're hoarding it like uh, Uncle McDuck in, you know, Disney or something in sitting on the bed with all the money. Yeah, that, that's, that's well put. It's um, when my wife and I first got married, we had very different perspectives on money. Um, I didn't come from as much as she came from. And as a result, I was an obsessive saver. And uh, to such an extent that, that I didn't want to spend any money on anything. And my wife was a little more free, free willing with it. And what was interesting was how I think God used the marriage to shape both of us on money. But one of the things that we used to do when we were first married is we'd do the envelopes with cash because that's how, how you know, you just, we needed to do it in order to make things work. And it was really interesting that once we had allocated money to spend, I still had a hard time wanting to spend the money because for me, that was all about security and all of this. And, and my wife would, would take the money in the envelope and wave it and say, it's already allocated. I can spend it. Here it is. <laughs> and um, and it, was, it was actually really healthy because my idolatry with money at that point was in saving. Um, and, and to allow us to, to say, no, spending is actually a good thing when it's allocated and and thought through and everything else and doesn't need to be this, this big thing. And so that, that's a, a different way of often thinking about it, but it was, it was part of our journey. So Joanne, how, how do you see kind of the, the um, tells that maybe this is, is an issue? Yeah. I mean, um, for me, when I think about it, there's two things. It is always thinking about it. I mean, it's like, okay, how am I going to make enough to um, pay my bills? Or how am I going to um, have enough money to live when I retire? Um, I mean, that to me is one of the big signs if that's always on your mind, like how am I going to live today? And then the other thing uh, that comes up is when you are prone to cheat because of it, like on your taxes, or if you are selling something to get money and it's a defective product and you know it's defective, but you're going to sell it anyway, just so that you could get the money. I think those are signs. Yeah, that's good. Anytime we're willing to cut a corner, um, mm -hmm. that's an indication that, yeah, that's become a rival God. So how do you, how do you challenge that approach in our own lives, the, the approach of letting this become elevated too high? How, what are the things that you've learned over the course of your career life that have helped you to, to right-size money to the degree that you have? And I say to the degree that you have, because I know it's an ongoing challenge, no matter who we are, mm. to say, I want to have a right relationship with, with money. But how, what have you learned or seen that have helped you to, to put those kind of in the right perspective? I think for me is um, 
God always provides for our needs. And I think that the, the thing that helped me to get there was my mother, actually. My mother made, uh, if I look at, compare what she made to what I made, it was like she made nothing. And she was always um, telling me that, you know, God is always going to provide for you no matter what. And that she was a tither. She gave. And um, she always had more than enough. And in fact, when she died, we were surprised at the amount of money she had left, you know, in her accounts. I mean, we were like shocked. And she always was giving. And that, um, and so she was actually a role model for me in terms of trusting God in all things and not uh, depending on money. So um, th that's, he's really been my role model in that. Okay. I think that's funny that you said about your mother, Joanne, because my mother's the same way. I'm, you know, she made, she made nothing, you know, our, our family income was my age, uh, whatever my age was, which, uh, and so, and to have this kind of money when she retired is, I don't know how she ever possibly did it, but, you know, people, I think people back in, uh, back in those days uh, treated money differently and, and they were a lot more careful about spending money and they probably weren't affected uh, as much by TV and advertising and the, and the wants that are developed that are coming at us from 12 different directions these days. But uh, so for me, you know, as far as money, one of the biggest change with me and money was determining through Bible study, whose money is it? Is it, it was it me who created the money? And uh, I have, a, I have a, a verse from Deuteronomy 8, 17, 18 says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And if it's not you, that it, obviously you worked hard, you studied, you went to school, you did all these things, you, you got a job. Uh, but if, if, you, if, you'd say to, if you say to yourself, it wasn't me, it was a blessing, um, then, you, then you're, more, you're more grateful for the money and it doesn't, become, uh, it doesn't become yours to hoard, to spend, to show off. Uh, that just changed my whole world right there. And that was... A little while ago. Yeah, that's that's helpful. It, it's interesting for both of you the the spiritual part of this, and and not that you'd expect that to be different for us, you know, being part of the church community. But but there really is a spiritual dimension to money, and being able to say this is something God has given me, I more than just my own, uh, so that He's the owner and I'm a steward. Um, is really a radical change, but is, is such a freeing change. And then secondly, Joanne, you mentioned this with your mom and giving. I know that the giving, I think, is one of the, the real antidotes to being a consumer. Because if you truly take your first 10% and say, that's just being given away, period, um, that changes the way that you think about money. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever done the whole look at what that 10% could have done if I put it into an account or this or that. I mean, it gets mind boggling at some point when you realize how much money um, you can give away over the course of a lifetime when you, 
when you do that. And it's really, it's cool when you see it, but it's also, it's a real decision um, to say, this is how I'm going to choose to prioritize finances. And I think it's significant in the Bible that that's seen as the first fruits, the first money that you have, you say, I'm going to give this so that it isn't about me. And there's something very spiritual in that process that I think is a frontal assault on consumerism and idolatry of money and, uh, and everything re related to it. Um, I would, so, I would, oh, go ahead, Kev. Yeah. I, I, was, I just want to agree with that. Uh, and, you know, if the money, if the money that you have in the bank account or wherever you got it is created by you, there's two things you want to, you want to keep it because it makes you feel good about yourself. You want to accumulate as much as possible, and you probably want to show it off to, to other people to, mm. to show them, hey, I have worth. I have this amount of money. This is this is it. This is where this is where my worth comes from. This is makes me important, mm -hmm. and th this makes me something of significance in the world. But if it's not really your money, if it's just been a blessing to you, um, and that's a really tough pull, push and pull right there. But. Uh, if it's really not your money, and it's it just creates a different aspect. Well, well, Kevin, one of the things with me, I mean, I so agree. Once I determined that I had this because God has allowed me to to have this, then it freed me up to do so many more things. And I was surprised that I had it, it appeared that I had more money. I was like, okay, where did this come from? And, and so that to me is a joy when I don't look at it as um, uh, something that I've done, but this is what God has given me. And then what do I do with it? And um, so that's why I'm, I'm less concerned about um, having it. It's like, okay, what am I going to do with what I have? Yeah. It's interesting how many times I have heard that over the years, Joanne, from people who start the process of tithing. Yeah. They almost always look back and say, I can't imagine not tithing because I feel like I ended up with more than I should have from the math problem um, on the on the front side. And I think that's a biblical concept uh, just to say, you know, when you trust God, Malachi talks about this um, and bring the tithe into the store. Else he says, see if I won't open the floodgates and bring even more into your life. But there is a moment of having to say, I trust before you see it. And, and that's part of the, the challenge. But I know that my, my point in saying that is, as I've talked to people over the years who have practiced that, almost without exception, I've heard them say, I can't imagine not doing that because I feel like God has done exactly what, what that says. So, so let me ask this as kind of an exit question to, to this topic today. Uh, um, uh, Joanne, you mentor a lot of different women, younger women. Kevin, you have uh, some of those relationships as well, not with women, but with young men, um, younger men through the groups you're in, and you have younger children. If you had one piece of advice or wisdom to share with somebody who's at the earlier phases of life, somebody who's kind of, you know, establishing themselves in their career, you know, early to late 20s, early 30s, somebody who's just saying, you know, I'm kind of still setting my patterns. What would your wisdom or advice be to, uh, to, to that individual? Mm. 
And I'm just thinking about her as a young woman I'm mentoring now who's, you know, anxious to get into her career and want to make some money. And, and you know, one of the things that I said to her is this couple of things, don't be anxious about tomorrow. And that it is important to um, establish now, um, you know, just go into it. What is it that you want right now? Because God is going to take care of all of your needs. Trust him in all things. I mean, I, I think that that's one of, that's one of the main um, things that I'm trying to get across to this woman that I'm um, mentoring right now. So um, it, it's not to just be tied into a job because um, that's not the most important thing in life. It is, you have to make money, but um, that's not the most important thing in life. I would think I would think this is really simple. You know, you talked about it. <clears throat> you talked about it, Kurt, with your envelope system. You know, it's a, it amazes to me. It amazes me that people like Dave Ramsey and and Susie Orman and these people, financial advisors, are just giving the advice that your grandparents gave to you. Here's a quarter. Don't spend it all in one place. You know, and uh, that's what you know. That's what it was. Um, it's really simple. You know, deferred gratification. Uh, trust in the future, trust, you know, trust in the future, work hard and trusting God in the future that he'll provide for you. Um, but deferred gratification, you know, it's buying everything today is an idol. You know, that's consumerism. That's overspending. People that have the average family has 16 or $18,000 on the credit card. That's just scary. And, uh, and that's just an idol that, um, uh, you know, do you really need that iPhone 12 or 15 or 22 or whatever the latest version is going to be next year? You know, um, it's uh, <clears throat> so trust in the future. It'll, you know, work hard, save, trust in God and, and things will work out for you if you if you are responsible with what you do. Yeah. Yeah. My my, uh, my word would be that something Christian financial planners have you know, argued for a long time, but it's the 10-10-80 principle, which is take the first 10%, give it to, give it away, give it to ministry, take the next 10% and save, live on 80, and then watch your, um, your financial house get established over the years, because those small steps, seemingly small steps, will, will put you in a great place down the road if you just discipline yourself to that. Um, right away. And, uh, and I know I can even uh, attest to those things working uh, just in our family, uh, just simple, but, um, but sometimes we overcomplicate this whole area instead of saying, you know, if you just do the simple things and do them repeatedly from a young age, mm -hmm. you'll be amazed at the, at the uh, solid foundation it will put you on. And again, I feel like even those, those that concept of 10, 10, 80 is an assault to the idolatry of our age, because there's something again, just in saying, I'm going to give, um, you know, early and often, uh, that, that really is, is a freeing concept. Absolutely. So, so with that, um, any final comments or words that, uh, that either of you'd like to like to get in? Uh, for me, it's like, I like Matthew six, four, you could not be slaves to two masters, God and money. Yeah. Um, 
you know, money, money, uh, all of us have been blessed tremendously with money. And uh, unfortunately, the blessing, every time you have a blessing, it's hard to handle those things. And uh, I agree with you, Kurt, uh, freeing it up to give, be, be generous with it. And, uh, and with Joanne, not worry about it consistently all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, we'll just free you up. That's, uh, that's my only thing. Okay. Well, super. Well, thank you both for uh, joining us today. Thank you for part spending part of your day with Perspectives. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back in a future episode. Thank you. Thank you.